The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the Holy Trinity comes from the book of Genesis, the first and second chapters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, 
I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. On your wondrous works, I will meditate. And I will declare The second reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are celebrating Trinity Sunday, and it is a unique kind of celebration in the church. Trinity Sunday does not commemorate a specific event like Easter or Christmas do. We are not celebrating just the work done by God through a specific person as we do on saints' days. No, Trinity Sunday is different. While every Sunday is a celebration and worship of God, Trinity Sunday specifically celebrates that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons in one divine being. And like most LCMS congregations, today we confess the Athanasian Creed. Yes, it's long. Yes, it uses the word Catholic. And yes, we use it just this one Sunday a year usually because of those two reasons. But in this creed, the mystery of the Trinity is clearly expressed. And when I say mystery, that is exactly what I mean. Like we just said, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. And in this trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal. So that in all things, the trinity in unity and unity in trinity is to be worshipped. So when we finished confessing this beautiful creed, it all made perfect sense, right? You sat down, said to yourself, Ah! Now I totally understand the Trinity. Or, even after confessing your faith in the Trinity, did you still kind of scratch your head and mutter, I don't get it. Now, if your answer was the latter, don't feel bad. Because the fact is, while the Trinity is truth, it is a truth that we simply cannot fully comprehend. God is God. And we are not. His ways, his thoughts, his very existence are far above us, far beyond our comprehension. And not in a way that if we worked at it really, really hard, we could eventually figure it out. Teaching me vector calculus turned out to be an impossible task for my college professors. But if they had tried a little bit harder, and if I had paid attention... Maybe it probably could have been done eventually. But trying to understand the Trinity, it's not like that. It's more like trying to explain to someone who's been blind from birth the difference between the colors orange and purple. How do you do that? There is no frame of reference. There is no way to convey the information adequately. There is no chance for them to get that idea. And in the same way, there is no chance for us mortals to fully grasp the concept of the Trinity. How could God be three and yet one? How could Jesus be fully God but die 
even though the Father and the Holy Spirit did not die? How could they be distinct and individual and yet united and singular? The complexity of the Trinity, it is simply beyond what we mortals can ever hope to fully understand. And sadly, this leads a lot of people to say that then it simply can't be that way. There are those who argue that if they don't understand it, they can't believe it. Now that's silly, and it's the height of arrogance, saying that your knowledge and understanding, that's what defines reality. It's also extremely foolish, because every single one of us puts our faith in things that we don't fully understand every single day. How many of you get exactly how the brakes on your car work, how the fluid transfers, the friction, and all of that? Or do you, like me, just assume that when you push down on the pedal in the middle, your car will hopefully slow down and you won't die in a fiery explosion? How many of you completely and absolutely understand even just the basic food distribution systems in our country? How it gets from the farm to the factory to your table, how all of that works? Or do you, like me, simply trust that when you go to the grocery store, there'll be bread and bananas and silly putty and all of the things that you have on your list? How many of you understand exactly how your own body works, your digestive system, circulatory system, all the things that fight off diseases, the lymphatic system, and yet you still exist, don't you? All these things and so many other mysteries that we really don't have a clue how it all works, they are essential to our lives. Things that we do and use every single day without even thinking about it or questioning it. So how dare we think that if we can't comprehend God, he can't possibly be. But it's not just those people out there, okay? Even in the church, we tend to write off what is difficult or what we can't understand automatically. As sinners, even as Christians, we are by nature lazy and ignorant, unwilling to invest much time or energy to actually learn things especially when it comes to spiritual things. We want things to be neat and simple and easy to understand. We want to feel as if everything is totally beneath us, able to be quantified, categorized, and labeled easily without investing any thought whatsoever. We want everything to be spoon-fed to us in a sweet pudding that takes no effort at all to digest. We think that church is the place where we shouldn't have to think, where we shouldn't actually have to put in any effort, where we should be able to just sit back, feel good, and get loved on by Jesus. Now, what would happen if you approached everything in your life that way? As a child, did you instantly and automatically get the alphabet, or did it take some repetition? Some picture books, some thought and concentration, some <gasps> memory work. It wasn't easy. It wasn't always fun. You weren't always right. But think of where you would have been if you had said, you know what, if I can't understand it, then the alphabet simply can't be. 
If you only believed what you already knew, you would never know or believe anything at all. So in life, when there's something that you don't understand, something that you don't quite get, what do you do? Well, you ask someone who does. You read what they have written. You listen to what they say because they comprehend what you don't. And that's exactly what we do with the Trinity and with all of God's mysteries that are beyond our understanding. We go to the source. We ask the person who knows, and that is God himself. In church, in Bible study, in daily devotions with our family, we look to God's word, and we seek the knowledge that he has graciously laid out for our benefit. Church is not a place to turn off our brains and just coast. We would never get anywhere with that. We are dealing with eternal things, things beyond the realm of what we can see and touch and quantify. So why would we think that they should be simple or thoughtless? Here, in God's Word, we learn. We struggle with difficult truths. We grow in wisdom and in faith, and we are better equipped to share that spiritual knowledge with others, to put it into words so that others, too, can grow and better understand God's bountiful mysteries. Now, some mysteries, with enough effort, with enough reading of God's word, we will be able to fully comprehend and understand as we grow in faith and in wisdom. And, as frustrating as it might seem, some will always remain a mystery to our sinful, mortal minds. But in all things, God tells us what we need to know. And we can trust all that he says. We know that he has our best interest in mind. We know that he loves us. We know that he is not hiding behind anything. God himself has revealed himself to us. And he has revealed himself as triune all throughout his holy word. The church didn't invent some nifty little gimmick to set Christianity apart from other religions. Yes, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. It is a shorthand for the concept of it. But this is how God is. And this is how God has revealed himself to the world, Old Testament and New. We are simply proclaiming the truth that God himself has revealed to the world. And even though we can't fully understand it, even though we struggle even trying to explain it, we rejoice in it. God, who is so far above us that we can't even fully comprehend his actual existence, he takes the time and the energy to reveal himself to us, to explain himself to us, to show us who he is. More than that, God, who is so far beyond even our imagination, he humbled himself to come to us in the flesh. He didn't have to. He could have just sat on his heavenly throne high above us, said nothing to us, and just thought, poor things, too bad they'll never be here in heaven. But instead, he looked upon us, and he had mercy. He had compassion, even love, for us simple, ignorant, sinful, rebellious people. He came to us, 
Not just to give us a better understanding of who he is. Not to lay out a path that if we walk it just the right way, then we shall know who he is, and then we shall be entered into his glorious kingdom. No, he came to save us, to suffer in our place, to take all of our sins upon himself, to die underneath his own holy law for us, and to rise again to give us everlasting life, to lift us up to where he himself is. Our salvation, it's not determined by how much we can figure out about God, because if it is, we are all lost. Instead, God himself used the entirety of his power and might to freely give us the gift of salvation through the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, through his atoning sacrifice, through everything that he has done for us. And while we will never be on the same level as God, he willingly put himself on our level, willingly comes to us in his word and sacraments, willingly reveals his true self to us, even though we will never totally get it. Because that's who God is. Though he has every right to, though he would be no less God for doing so, he doesn't hide away behind his superiority, remaining some grand and great mystery that we could never even approach. He is a loving God who wants us to know who he truly is, who reveals himself to us even though it's beyond our understanding, and who is willing to teach us over and over again even though we will never fully get it. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. God is triune, three distinct persons in one divine being. And yeah, we don't get it. But we believe it, and we celebrate it every day of our lives. Because that same God, who is so far above us, so far beyond our comprehension, that same God loves us, teaches us, comes to us constantly through his word and sacraments. More than that, he gave his very life to redeem us from sin, death, and the devil, to wash us clean of all our iniquity, and to make us his own. It is our great joy to hear his word, to wrestle with those eternal truths, to grow in wisdom and faith, and to rejoice in all the divine mysteries that he has revealed to us. But even if we can't fully understand him, even if we don't ever totally get it, we still rejoice, because our salvation is not based on our feeble understanding. No, our salvation comes from the almighty and triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in one divine being. Uncreated, immortal, beyond any human limits. And for that, we give thanks every moment of our lives. For his incomprehensible power has saved you. Not by giving you wisdom to understand who he is. Not by laying out the truth in a secret code that you have to work out by the cross of Jesus Christ, by his empty tomb, even though you can never fully understand it, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. 
Thanks be to God. Amen.